Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Hi, Allie. Hi, how are you doing? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Are we uh, are we live? We're live. Hi, so we're, we're here. Live at Gross Anatomy, eh? Yes, we are live at Gross Anatomy for the first time here. Very fun, very happy to be here. And I am very thrilled. I'm Dr. Jason Conum, and I'm very excited to be joined by Ali Sorella. Did I yes. say it right? Yeah, you said it right. It's Finnish, which is a little different spelling with all those vowels, but it's Sorella. Do you speak Finnish? No, my um, oldest too. So my oldest sister was born there and she spoke it for a few years. My dad, I think, didn't really um, keep it up with us so much. He was just like so busy and it's really tough language. Yeah, I know. It's... I don't even know, you know, occasionally, you know, you know some words of some languages. I don't think I know a single Finnish word, but no. Um, um, how you, Allie? Um, okay, you know me through Liat, which I I listened actually to a, one of your episodes recently that I feel like it's all, you know, everyone through Liat. It was like Raya through Liat or Raya through Liat. Um, and I listened to your episode chatting about Bravo Toast with Jack, also right. through Liat. So I'm happy to be another friend here through Liat, Berkeley friend. Also media studies major, so it makes sense that I'm here podcasting with you. Happy and to I be know, here. I know everyone through Liat, Mariano also, who does our social media. Oh, yeah. Yes, I. that's so true. You've got, she's just the right age group where we're all like, we've been out of college for enough years. We're all like in it and ready to, to work. And so that's perfect that you're meeting everyone through her. Exactly. I'm, I would be nothing without my kids. That's so sweet. I love to hear that. That's not every dad that says that. So that's special to hear. Totally. So, um, so I'm so excited to have you as a guest host today. Mm -hmm. um, what are we talking about, Allie? Yeah, I have a few questions for you, actually. And some of them are really just from like, I read the skim every morning, which is like a quick five minute version of the news, because I don't always have the energy to watch it. And there's, there's always questions. Yeah, it's called the skim. And it's like, really just like headlines and then like almost like a summary of like top headlines and then there'll be links to longer articles so if you want to like dive deeper but I read it most weekday mornings just so I can like be caught up essentially and I, sometimes I collect things in there that I'm like I wish I knew a doctor I wish I had a friend I could ask especially these times with all these outbreaks and stuff so I have some questions there some shows I'm watching docu-series questions lots to chat with you about very cool. I never heard of the skim. I guess I have to look at that. Is it like the skim.com kind of thing or? Yeah. And, and you can just sign up for the email. Um, there's just like a button there, but you could start by reading. It's, I think it's Monday through Saturday, really. I only read it Monday through Friday just for mental health, but it's um, every morning comes to my inbox at like 3 a.m. So first thing, like before I open emails for work, I'm like, I'll read this, sit with a coffee. You get up at 3.30 to start reading it? No, no, I wish I was that ambitious. Not not quite there yet. Um, but they're New York, so I think it's coming at their 6 a.m. In the olden days, we had the newspaper delivered and we would actually read a newspaper in the olden days. I know. I'm like, that would be the, the ultimate commitment for me is to like pay, get the times, do the thing. But this is really digestible for me. So I think that was their whole angle is that like it's for the busy person who maybe doesn't want to sit down for 30 minutes before work but just I could read it in 10. My parents used to get all three I grew up in New York so they'd get all three New York newspapers delivered the New York Times the Daily News and the New York Post so what I, do you got 
hit me with something. Well, I, that also does remind me, I did have a class where like part of our assignment was um, to subscribe to the New York Times and a few other papers. So hopefully it does make a comeback, but for now it's the skim. But I was reading um, a few things. There's a listeria outbreak, not sure what that means and if we should be stressed about it. And then I read something else about, um, I don't know how to say it, Sabu Zabalin for COVID as a treatment for COVID. And I was curious, like, would there already be a treatment for COVID? That's wild. I think the flu has been around forever. We don't have a treatment for that. So that kind of made me doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm asking. No, I, no, I'm saying you got the wrong doctor. I, I, I have to confess. I don't, I don't know about Sabu Zaba other than some kind of like uh, chewing, like, uh, like Abu Zaba, Abba Zaba. (laughs) Zaba, isn't there a gum? Yeah. There's like a gum to something like that. That's why. It's like a peanutty yummy thing that uh, I think Bernice, my wife likes, but I'm not a big Abu Zaba fan. But listeria, I, I mean, all I know about is it's a bacteria um, that contaminates. A, you often hear about it contaminating a lot of different things. You know, it could be, uh, you know, on produce. It could be in water. It could be here and there. But the, the short answer is I, I don't think you need to be worried about a listeria outbreak. And, and that's about the extent of one. Of you. <laughs> the problem for me is I know a, a lot, a little a lot about a little bit of stuff or, or the other way around. I know a little bit of stuff about a lot of things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know a little bit about listeria. For some reason, I think listeria is one of those bacteria that they talk about that you shouldn't eat. And, and we'll have to double check fact this, but there, Google. I remember when I was studying microbiology, which actually, believe it or not, was one of my favorite topics in medical school. It was one of the few things I really enjoyed learning about microbiology because, and even at one point I thought I wanted to be an infectious disease doctor because I thought like all the parasitic infections were really cool, all the worms and gross, disgusting stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's listeria, but I I could be totally wrong that there, at least in, in our textbook, it said you shouldn't eat reheated rice, like old rice. They're mm. not, you know, um, because of the potential for some bacterial infection in there. And I, and I don't remember why. And it just sounds so weird. You have that memory, though. I have that memory. And every time I, you know, heat, eat, re-eat rice that's been in the refrigerator, I always think about it. Yeah, I'm Googling it. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm same. I'm seeing here some like ready to eat foods that you're ready to eat meals, like reheating things. That's where it, it's seeming like, so maybe there was some outbreak. I know that there were some specific brands I won't name that had some stressful, um, ready eat meal outbreaks. So maybe it's connected to that's why I read it. Um, yeah. and then it's always like, I think the news always is having like, this is to treat COVID. Cause that's like our hot topic of the past few years. So that makes wait, sense. Wait, 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 wait. What's COVID? Exactly. So that's why I think the Sabu Zabalin or Zabu Zababar <laughs> is um, also top of mind in the news because people want that solution. Yeah. So it's like they're ready. So. The one thing I did hear, and I don't know the details about, but it sounds somewhat interesting and exciting, is one of the newer vaccines that's being worked on is a more standard old fashioned rather than an mRNA vaccine. Um, and I and the excitement is is that hopefully it'll be safer um, and hopefully uh, people who were reluctant to get the mRNA vaccines 
maybe more inclined to get this vaccine if it's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. That might be a good forward step uh, in the world. But who knows? Uh, it's just kind of exciting that there isn't just one one type of vaccine being worked on, and there's this more standard approach vaccine being worked on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yes. Yeah. I read that too. And that hopefully that gets to the people who are a little more apprehensive. So that that's good news. And then I keep hearing monkeypox. It's like some, that's why I don't like watching. That's why I'm like, I'll read it. And then I can move on with my day. Cause sometimes it's just too much. That's true. And, I, and, you know, there's even talks of more California mask mandates uh, and stuff, which is frightening to me on so many levels. Yeah. Well, some good, good health news that I did read was that now there's going to be um, a shortened suicide hotline that's only three numbers. And before it was like a 1-800. Yes. So that was a positive. I was like, there we go. Some good change. Good news to read. But it's sad and crazy that we need it. But it's great that mm -hmm. it's great that it? it's accessible. What is it? 866? Is that what it is? It's 988. Oh, 988. Okay. So you're thinking like 911. It's like that's still right. the same start, but 988. Yeah. That's, you know, we're, we're getting kind of deep and dark here. Yeah. But mental wellness, mental health is just so important, even more than ever now. Yeah. It's as important as physical health. And I'm sure, as you know, probably pretty intertwined. You've seen people heal or do better with like those positive mindsets. Those are always stories that I hear that I'm like, it's wild, the power of, uh, of mindset. So it's important to have resources. I always tell my patients, you know, who ask me, doctor, you know, is it okay if I do this kind of alternative therapy or this kind of thing? And my answer to them is um, most of the time, a lot of these things will not hurt you and maybe they'll help. And so, you know, as long as it's not going to hurt you, it's worth trying because uh, I'm a big fan of mind and body, you know, because I agree, you know, the, the mind is a, is often a powerful tool to heal. Yeah. Um, that I recently have been, well, more like scattered, but I recently have been sort of exploring with breath work as like a similar, cause I've done a lot of like talk therapy, psychotherapy. I worked at a mental health company, as I think I mentioned to you at Shabbat at some point, but, um, I thought I'd try something maybe a little bit more physical that, that still tapped into like a mental health. And I found that really interesting. I was curious if I know Bernice and I were talking about meditating. I'm curious if you try anything like that or you see patients do that or see any effect there with sort of those practices. So me, me personally, you know, for me, the shower is my kind of, I, I, I don't know people, I know plenty of people who don't shower every day, but for me, I have to shower, at least during the work week, I need to take a shower every morning before I start my day. It's just a matter of kind of, A, obviously it's getting clean, but for me, it's just kind of a meditative space and it's where I do all my, a lot of my thinking and stuff. So sometimes in the morning, I'll kind of just with the water pouring down my head, I'll kind of just take a minute or two and kind of just try to be nowhere. But that's kind of my meditative space. But then the other thing I do is I try to work out at least six days a week. And after my workout, I try to um, do some stretching where I find that's somewhat meditative also. Totally. It's that, that, um, that slowing down in the chaos kind of idea. It's like, how do I breathe and sit still when my body's like buzzing? Exactly. But in terms of patients, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily tell my patients to try doing anything like that, but I, I do try, I do try to encourage them to move every day 
um, but not necessarily just meditate. Uh, although I, I think it's very worthwhile. In fact, I think there's some new watch company actually that focuses on that, on like, in addition to the fact that it's a watch, it's also, there's something about it in terms of using it to kind of take some time and kind of just focus and breathe. I, whenever I hear about those, um, like amazing, like a watch or any, I'm always like, when's Apple going to buy that? <laughs> you know, I always think that'll just be part of the Apple watch at some point, which will be widely accessible, which will be cool. I mean, hopefully accessible, expensive, but I think it's nice to have some sort of technology to nudge mass amounts of people to relax or check your heart rate or whatever that does. Do you wear a watch? No. No, I'm not a big, personally, I don't, I've gone through short watch phases in my life, like as a young kid, but I I don't like wearing a watch. I don't like having something like constricting around. I don't wear jewelry because I just don't like, and everybody knows I wear big baggy clothes because I have this weird tactile thing where I don't like stuff tight on me. You know, it's like this weird this weird thing, you know, I think I'm part, occasionally I wonder if I'm like partly on the spectrum a little bit, believe it or not, because I have some weird quirks like that. Um, but one thing I've noticed about people with Apple watches is there are a lot of benefits. And like you said, you know, there's the wellness aspect to it. I do find there's a component to the Apple watch. You know, it's bad enough when you're talking to someone there on their phone. But then sometimes, you know, you'll have someone in the room with you or someone you're talking to and all of a sudden they're checking their watch. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, you know, and you'll be like, are you checking the time? Are you bored with it? And they're like, no, I got a text or no, I got, you know, I got an update. Yeah. And I, I think there's something antisocial about the Apple watch. Yep. I hear you. It's like, I, sometimes you just need that undivided attention and that totally takes that away because you don't. It's like one thing to put your phone away, but to take off a watch is like a whole other step or like even putting on do not disturb. It's like, there's this habit to like, to look down, to touch. I mean, there's those studies that you see where it's like how many times a day people like flip over their phone or touch their phone. It's so much harder with a watch on. I'm sure where it's, you could see it. Even I've caught myself on the phone if I'm wearing Bluetooth headphones and I accidentally, while, while I'm talking to someone I know or love, pulling up like social media or answering another text. And I'm like, no, no, I'm doing the one thing right now. It's like so hard to have this attention thing. And like, how do you know who has ADD anymore? Because we all have all these opportunities to grab these little distractions. I know. You often hear uh, about those people that when they talk to you, you feel like you're the most important person, right? You'll read articles about someone or you'll hear someone say, you know, when they talk to me, I feel like no one else exists in the world. And I often try to remind myself to do that when I'm talking to people, because I'm also very distracted. I'm always looking around, seeing who's walking around, or I'm on my phone. And that that must be an amazing quality to have to, for people to perceive you as when you engage with them and talk to them, that you're so important, that there's no one else important. And I And I try always to to do that, but I often forget, but I, I, I envy those people who are able to engage with people that way. Well, it's a practice, maybe like anything else, like meditation, you know, or whatever, where it's like, how do I breathe and be in this moment and put my attention here? In my experience, uh, you've been really good at it, but I always catch you on your 
just got off work having a relaxing dinner night so maybe I'm catching you at good times but you've been great with attention um so here I would love to hear what you're watching and tell you that I just finished the bear have you watched no. that What's it's um so it's on Hulu and it's the son from Shameless, which admittedly I didn't watch. I watched a few episodes, but it was long and I couldn't commit. Yeah. But the bear was amazing. It's um, a chef. It's also set in Chicago, similar to Shameless. And it's one of the best shows I've seen in truly a few years. And so what, give, give me more, give me some spoiler, explain to me what it is. Yeah. Um, let me look up his name. If you watch Shameless, I forget the main characters, um, the actor's name. Uh, but essentially the main character, his brother passes and leaves him a restaurant and, and I know you're a foodie, so you'll love it. Yeah. Um, he previously, the main character who's let's see, young chef, Jeremy Allen White, he had been working at what they're alluding to being like the French laundry. He went to like CIA, probably in Napa or New York for culinary school, um, so he's just like a very classically trained chef in these very intense kitchens where, of course, there's like this amount of trauma that's inherent to that environment. And then he steps into this like what looks like they're just like the most casual like sandwich shop kind of like but really nice meat eatery in Chicago. Yeah. And he's trying to like turn it around. And it's really impressive to watch like what he's working with such a different team and he's training them on like the French uh, kitchen system and, and they're sort of like, some of them are really into it. And then there's a lot of pushback. So it's interesting. They sprinkle in some of his like life history, but it's a lot of, it's really interesting just to see the dynamic in a kitchen and what that looks like. And the articles coming out about it are saying it's one, very accurate and two, very triggering for anyone who works in kitchens. That sounds really cool. I, I, that it's so funny that that's definitely something that I want to watch. In fact, we recently went out to dinner the other night with the kids and I said, how great would it be to possibly, you know, I'm sure everybody fantasizes about owning a restaurant, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and then, you know, you and I even discussed it. I just recently read the Anthony Bourdain book, Kitchen Confidential about, you know, I, I think it's one of his first books, if, if not his first book about his experience, you know, as a, as a, you know, becoming a chef and his successes. And he talks about the insanity of a kitchen and, and the kind of hazing rituals and rites that go through with becoming a chef and also how crazy it is for anybody to want to think that they should open a restaurant. And it, it, so it was really interesting reading that, but then talking about, you called me a foodie, which I appreciate being called that. <laughs> Um, one of the things Anthony Bourdain says is that he hates vegetarians and hates vegans even more because, you know, it, it's so limiting, you know, it, in terms of, in terms of what you can cook and, and just, you know, the palate, like, like when you read his book, he talks about all these amazing things that make me almost want to eat them, but I'm, I'm so restrictive in how I eat. A, I try to keep kosher to some degree, which is one thing, but then you know, over the years, I've gotten to be that weird California food person where I try to be as plant-based as possible mm -hmm. and so restricting. So it's the fact that you could call me a foodie that Anthony Bourdain would never have called me a foodie. You know, uh, he would have called me an idiot, you know, but so I appreciate, you know, that as a compliment being called a foodie. 
um, is pretty interesting. But the other thing that, you know, I run this pre-med program and the other day, one of our students came to me uh, and he's shadowing, uh, it's a shadowing program. The students get assigned to a doctor, a group of doctors within a spe specific specialty, and they get to shadow for eight to 10 weeks. And one of the doctors that he's shadowing kind of doesn't really talk to him or occasionally will engage him. But for the most part, you know, it's just very aloof. And, and he's like, and he came to me all upset about the possible hazing that goes on mm. in surgery. And he was asking me about that. And, and I was trying to um, reassure him, you know, there's a certain amount of that going back to, you know, restaurants and the, and the whole, uh, you know, coming up through a kitchen. I, I don't know. Have you ever experienced any sort of hazing in your own life and, and any good or bad and anything you've done? Yeah. Well, and I have a few thoughts on that one. I, um, I do, of course, like I'm so excited to read kitchen confidential. I'm wrapping up a book now, but there are some amazing Michelin star chefs. It's different time now than when that book was written that are like, like Dominique Crenn. I think she's the most like decorated chef in this country. Maybe like female, one of the most decorated female chefs in the world. I think she's pescatarian and so are her restaurants and the ones in San Francisco don't serve meat that I've been to. Mm. Um, so I don't think, I don't think you can say that you're not a foodie just cause you're not okay. eating meat. So, okay. and I'm a foodie and I don't eat, I, I'm pescatarian. So there's times where I've been vegan and I'm still like, there's flavor that I'm having that I think is wild that some of my friends or family, like don't venture out to try this really interesting, like, very different dish because they're just eating the same sort of like American or French cuisine, French, 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 you know, Italian, Italian. So, um, but I did, I worked in a few kitchens actually. Um, and I also was in a sorority. So it's levels of hazing. Yeah. Didn't you almost go to chef culinary school? Yes. Yeah. I enrolled in CIA. I got my books. I met my roommate. I put down a deposit. I was like ready to go. So I'm obsessed with the show. For that reason, especially because I'm like, it dabbles in some things I'm really, really interested in and would love to revisit as well. It's definitely a longer term goal of mine to do something in food. So I'm gonna, so why did chicken out? Money. It's very expensive. It was a COVID um, culinary school time where I'm looking at like, oh, it's and just personally, I'm like, I'm in would love to wrap up my student loan debt from Berkeley first yeah. before taking on anything else. Right. That would be a priority for me. I don't want to sign up for more. I already have a wonderful degree that I could use and work with food in other ways. You can get really crafty. There's a lot of chefs that never even went to culinary school that end up being amazing chefs by learning in a kitchen. So I thought if it's really a goal, I'll revisit it. I'll circle back. Very cool. And what was your, what kind of hazing going through a sorority? Did, did you experience any hazing? Well, it, because it's Berkeley, it's a little bit more of like a woke school. So that I don't think they could have gotten away with a ton. It's not like being like in a sorority in the South or something where I'm sure they take it so seriously. There was sort of like a joke call we got. And I'm, you should ask Liat, I wonder, I think she got one too. I was like an anonymous call on my phone. And some girl said, you know, you need to wear all white and buy X, Y, and Z. She said you need to buy... um like a can of Lagunitas or a 12 pack of Lagunitas, um, some Vagiso and wear all white and meet me at this fountain and we'll pick you up at six. And then later they were like, if we're just kidding, it's going to be a party. We're going to pick you up. And, and we did like a fun night together where we all like cooked and like made 
did something really cute, but they think they were just trying to scare us a little bit. But um, I understood too, I was a little bit older because I was a transfer. If I was a freshman, I might've been really nervous, mm-hmm. but thinking about do, hearing that as a junior, I was like, okay, I can hit, like if someone does something I don't like, I'd probably just walk out of the room. So it's different being 18 and, and 20 even. Did you play a sport as a kid? Yeah, I, um, I did dance, gymnastics, um, and cheer for six years as well, dive team. Was there hazing in, in any of that stuff? Not really. Those are, I mean, cheer camp has its like funny things because it's cheer camp and there's got to be some sort of funny movie scenes in there. We played like, there's a game called Never Have I Ever or Ten Fingers where you say all the things you've, you've done, basically. So you're sitting in a room with a bunch of other high school girls. Um, so there's sort of those like bonding moments and maybe some behind the scenes hazing where they had us like, the freshman had to like dress up as a baby for one day of cheer camp and you wear your hair silly and wear a bib. Like, so they kind of did those little things, but really like with the right attitude, I, I found it funny. I didn't feel singled out in any way that yeah. uh, was uncomfortable. And if I was, I probably wouldn't have done it. I'm a pretty stubborn person. Yeah, no, it's, it's it, to some degree, you know, medical education and surgical education, certainly it, and, and law school, you guys have a good friend going who's, who's finishing up law school. All of that educational systems, at least up till recently, have kind of been a hazing type, not a hazing, but, you know, Socratic method or, or there, there's just like rituals built into the education system. And some people would call it, call it hazing, but other people would call it tradition. And today, I guess you have to be careful a little bit about it. Uh, I found a lot of that, you know, I went through a lot of that stuff. And while some of it was a little harsh and maybe there were some malignant aspects to it, I found a lot of that fun and, and I have good memories of it. And, it, and I think you do learn well uh, when you're under pressure a little bit and you retain things potentially, but today in today's environment and climate, it's, you know, it's, there's a little bit, I don't know if it's good. It, it, it worries me a little bit. Um, cause we lose some of these traditions that some people thought were fun and interesting, but it's a different world we live in. I don't know. Yeah. There's a fine, I think there's totally a fine line there. Like I know that there was a girl in our class, like I was mentioning, there was freshmen that were more nervous about it. One of them called her mom who called the president and she didn't know that it was going to end up being a fun night, but it, we almost got in a lot of trouble or sorority for, for yeah. what usually is, um, I think at Berkeley fun, but maybe it's cause what she'd seen it like or heard from her friends at other schools or in movies, there are people who take it too far. So there's got to be this fine line of, are people uncomfortable a little? Okay, push yourself. But are people feeling unsafe? That's not cool. So there's always this like fine line, especially as we, especially in environments like in schools or with younger people where it's like, know when to sort of put your boundaries down. Yeah. The only thing is, is if, if there's an organization that like school is one thing, you have to go to school. But you don't have to join a fraternity or sorority. You don't have to become a surgeon. You don't have to become a chef. And you know that there are certain traditions and things in going through that. So in my mind is don't go that route or go somewhere that you know or do research about that place beforehand to say, okay, this place does do this kind of thing. Am I going to enjoy it or not? And if not, then don't do it is kind of my thinking Um, because... I don't know. I'm a little old fashioned. Like I, I, I don't, 
these are choices that one makes. So if you're going to choose to do it, accept what goes on there. Of course, there's safety and there's danger. That's a whole different story, you know, and, yeah. and getting someone, you know, drunk to the point where they, you know, could die. No, that's not, that's okay. not okay. Right. That's, that's never, you know, okay. that, you know, there's, and there's judgment and doing dangerous things, but a certain amount of, you know, dress as a, as a baby, that should be, you know, yeah, for know that camp, that was... happen and, and it should be fun. Otherwise, maybe that's not the right thing for you kind of mm-hmm. thing. I don't yeah. know. I agree. So, well, to wrap up the hazing of um, the kitchen, I, I did have some questions about maybe like some tie togethers of, I always think about this with chefs and with doctors, and maybe I'm the only one drawing this parallel, but there's like this level of um, one intensity, like you're saying, and two, um, almost like a, like a practice, like not being able to practice what you preach. I feel like you see all these, like, and I've like been around chefs or dated chefs who like, they're cooking these insane, beautiful, elaborate meals all day. And they're so exhausted. They're having like, and same in the show, like a quesadilla when they get home and passing out with a Diet Coke in hand, yeah. you know? And that's, of course, there's a time and day and place for that. But I always see like, I lived right by a hospital um, where I grew up and it was always like all these doctors on smoke breaks. And I'm always like, it's so wild to me that it's like all these people who, you know, devote their life to this thing, they don't have the time or the capacity maybe to be able to actually enjoy it or, or practice it too. Do you see that? A little bit for sure. You know, there's, there's, there's always some levels of hypocrisy for sure. And the other thing in common that chefs and doctors have is clogs. Oh yes. Yeah. You're on your feet all day. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's funny when I, I do remember now I don't see smokers at all, but, but when I was training, I, there were a lot of the surgeons that I used to see, you know, one of them would sit in his office even back in the day, wow. and he'd walk in there and he'd be smoking. In his, he, and he was the chairman of surgery and he, he was smoking in his office. And also at the holiday party, like everyone would go with him to have a smoke. And it was kind of fun. You all knew you were doing something bad, yep. and kind of like this fun thing you would do with him. I didn't, I, I wasn't, but I, but I would see them all smoking together. I, I think part of it is because you're so exhausted and, and your bodies and minds and your time is just so pushed to the limit, you forget about taking care of yourself. There's that component of not taking care of yourself. And and that's definitely true with, I barely, if ever, go to the doctor. Like, I, I don't even think I have someone. That, I mean, I have some friends that I ask them medical stuff, internal medicine doctors, mm-hmm. but I, I can't remember the last time I actually went for a checkup. Like a primary care, right? I haven't gone. I, I, I mean, I'll run blood work. I, I recently ran blood work to check and I'll talk to my doctor friends if I need to do stuff. But actually having gone to the doctor for a checkup was the last time I had some kind of hypochondriac event, which was maybe <laughs> five to 10 years ago. So right. I, so that's pretty bad. But the one thing I did start doing, you know, some years ago was I made it a point to start trying to get into shape, you know, and eat becoming plant-based and, and exercising because I wanted to practice what I preach. So I, I deliberately, and it wasn't always, it was just within the last, I don't know, when did you guys start? When did you start college? Um, well, 2014 is when we started like freshman year, we graduated high school right. and then got into. Because I remember it was when I brought Liat to her college as a freshman was when I started focusing on being healthy. So, um, 
so it's been oh, wow it's been a while so it's been eight years i guess since since i decided i have to live a little healthier um to practice what i preach and how and do you feel i feel much better Good. I feel much better. I mean, I'm always, there's always a sense of being exhausted. There's, there's nothing that's, in, except on the weekends when I'm on a call. Like, so like it's Saturday, I slept in and I feel rested, but there's always a sense of some low level of exhaustion. But I think that's most humans. Like, like I'll have patients tell me I'm tired. I'm like, yeah, me too. That's <laughs> normal. That's, that's, unfortunately, that's life, especially in America, you know, where, where we're all trying to push ourselves harder and work harder. I think we should all adopt the Spanish mentality of taking a siesta in the afternoon. And we, and, and I, there's some country now that's trying to switch to just a four hour work week. I mean, a four, a four day work week, right? I think California is trying to do that. I don't think it's, I think it's the U S is having, I read something a few months back about some California companies trying to push for no Fridays and have a four day yeah. work week. Well, I think it's also in one country that's trying to do it, but California made too. And I think that's smart. You, do you know what reference the four hour work week was? Just, just no. to, that is, that's from Tim Ferriss. Have you read, heard of or read Tim Ferriss? I've heard of, I haven't read. I recommend reading Tim Ferriss, especially, I mean, he caters to your generation more than mine because he, he's somewhat in between our ages, I think, but closer to yours, Tim Ferriss. And he talks about the four hour work week. And it's more about working smarter, not harder, and figuring out ways to passive income streams, you know, whatever it is you do. And, you know, we were talk talking earlier about technology and, and, you know, finding just having set times when you're on your technology and not being a slave to your email and this and that. So Tim Ferriss, I definitely recommend it. It's like time blocking. Everything. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. So I, I strongly recommend Tim Ferriss to everybody. To me, I should probably reread it. Um, and uh, I have it somewhere. I, I could even give it to you, or maybe I've given it to someone and never gotten it back. Who knows? <laughs> that sounds. That's something I do too. Yeah. And then, sort of, what I noticed you guys are doing at the end is, what are we watching next? I keep seeing this docu series about Victoria's Secret, and I'm usually not latching onto those things, but it looks scandalous. And huh. apparently, there's a Jeffrey Epstein tie-in to the founder of Victoria's Secret. There's like this whole world I didn't know about. So I might be watching that this week. Well, I'm going to be watching The Bear. Oh, yes, you are. I can't wait to hear about it. No, I really, that sounds awesome. No, I'm excited about that. We, um, right now we're in watching Limbo. So that's a good, that's, although I started watching the final season of Miss Maisel with my daughter, we, we started watching, do you like that show? Do you watch that show? I've started it and I never, I'm like tough to pick up shows. So that's why I'm, I was surprised with The Bear. I started it, thought it was funny, never got traction to keep watching. Well, Allie. I, I always enjoy talking to you. I really do. Um, I love your mind and I'm excited that you wanted to do this and I'm excited that we now got to do this. And thank you so much for joining me here at Gross Anatomy. Thank you so much. Such sweet compliments. I love your mind right back. It was great to chat and pick your brain a little bit. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. You too. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.